to get this on. I appreciate it. I pray that you had a great Thanksgiving, and I pray that the Lord blessed you mightily, and that you ate a bunch of food, and that you repented of your gluttony. No, I had to repent of my gluttony because I know I tore it up. So, I have been um, intrigued. I'm so excited. We're going to start a new sermon series. This is going to be the, probably the most challenging one for Christmas I've ever done. I can say that in all truthfulness. This is the most challenging, challenging sermon series for Christmas that I, I can imagine. What makes Christmas so powerful? What makes it uh, life-changing? What makes it so exciting? Now, many of you are excited because you get gifts, right? Uh, I'm excited about food. I'm excited about uh, being with you. I'm, I love Christmas Eve. One of my favorite times. I love worship on Christmas Eve. I love how we come here and Summit Church is ghetto, so we don't have candles like you would see at most churches. We have glow sticks from the dollar store. And what's great is you see the little kids hitting each other, and it's just, it's a fantastic time. You come out with whelps, and you're like, this was great, and you come home. What's wrong with the family picture we're getting ready to take, and kids got a black eye because he got, no, I'm just kidding. But anyway, so I'm really excited, but I want to talk about what makes it so powerful and what's life-changing. It's on the incarnation. So, in 1965, I've shown this to you before, probably the last two Christmases, but I love it. It, it meant a lot to me. You know, back in my day, like, if you're under... You're under 30, you might not be able to appreciate this, but everybody in the room that's over 30, can I get a witness from some people? All five of you, great. All right, so there was a, there was a show, it was Charlie Brown Christmas, and yeah, it, it's, it's spiritual, right? And so I want to give you the backstory. So in 1965, they make, this, they make this, long story short, obviously they're using the Gospel of Luke when Linus is telling Charlie Brown what it's about. And so the people were fighting, like the directors, they like, well, they finally came down, we'll just let it air one time. They'll just let it air one time, and then after the first time, it stuck so big that it kept on. And to my understanding, outside of like the Ten Commandments, and stuff, this is one of the few uh, cartoons that uh, you would see, and it was, um, and it, we talked about Christ. And for those of us, like I said, that are over 30 in this room, we only could get it once a year. There was no YouTube. Right? There was no phone. There was no iPad. There was no Xbox. There was no PlayStation. There was no, you know, Netflix. There was, you know, Amazon Fire. There's none of the Apple TV. There's none of that. So if you missed it, you missed it. But I always wondered why. You know, I didn't know I was ever going to be a preacher. Like, that was not even on my radar. Uh, but I always wondered why that God was going to use it. So can we throw that up there? I, I just want to see if it's possible that we could show that and just wave at me if we're good. No, yeah? We're good. Oh, no sound. Never mind. Then we're not going to do it. So you remember, you remember that Linus gets up and gives Scripture, and he talks about the angels appearing to the shepherds. It brought joy to me more than anything else. It gave me a deeper purpose. So then when I look on social media, have you never noticed why, why things today are, are so um, politically uh, hot? Everything is, 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 is uh, it, the, the divide between people is getting wider and wider and wider. And why does that happen? If you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 7. Let's look there. All the notes are on, on some uh, church uh, Facebook, so you can turn there. Matthew chapter 7, I want you to see the power of the gospel. So Jesus is teaching, obviously, here on this great sermon he gives. I don't think it's the total totality of the sermon, but it is a great sermon. And in verse 13 and 14 of Matthew chapter 7, there's this big divide that's happening between people. And Christmas is one time that we seem in some quasi-way to come together. Would you agree with that? Uh, what did somebody say? Somebody wrote an article uh, up in North Carolina. They wrote an article about Thanksgiving and Christmas, and they said um, that, that, that Christmas is li like, or Thanksgiving, the holidays, are like a lot of candy. There's a lot of good sweet chocolate, and sometimes there's a couple nuts. Y'all say, yeah, right? Because you get in there with some family members and they're crazy. But what brings us people together? What does it? What brings us? It's something deeper than gifts. 
And then you know that, and that's why you're here. That's why you've surrendered your life to Christ. It's something deeper than family, though it's good. It's something deeper than just the sense of meaning and awe and wonder that we stop. It's deeper than getting off. Holidays and work, and it's deeper. Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14. Let me pray for a moment. Father, uh, I do not want to come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit and a power so that everyone in this room that their faith would not rest on human wisdom but on the Spirit's power. I pray, Lord, that please forgive me of my sins. There are many and there are many and they're always before me. But what I love about you, that though my sins are before me, Jesus is before you. And so our sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus. And since 1 Peter 3.18 tells us why we can come, well, the whole purpose of the gospel is for you to bring us to, to you and to your presence, that we can get into your presence now. Lord, all I can do is, do is to get on my knees and say thank you. This sermon is too deep for me. I, I thank you for Summit that allows me the grace and mercy to just dive into something deep. On the incarnation, it is the incarnation, God becoming man, that makes Christmas beautiful. And if we can relay that through lights and trees and gifts and food and love and joy and all the things that come out because of this beautiful Christmas and by the, your Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, I pray today, Lord, that your name would be magnified and glorified and that everybody in here would be edified and Satan would be horrified at the very name of Jesus Christ I pray and all God's people said what? Yes, amen Woo! Matthew 7 13 through 14 I pray you spend some time with this this week I pray that you would read this maybe the Lord will lay this on your heart you read this every morning before you get up and do about what you're going to do for the day, that your treasure would not be in something that you're living into, but who you're living for. Verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to what saints talk to me. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only what saints? So I was broken over what I see on my, my, my social media feed. I am broken over the, the viral in the anger, in the bitterness between believers over race and politics and ideas. Nobody has an answer. And it, the wideness of our ideas gets wider and wider and wider. And this passage, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. And why, Lord, why is the road getting wider and wider? Why is the divide among people getting wider and wider? Why is it that our in their news, the news companies, and I'm not making a political statement, just hear me. My mom used to say this. She'd say, John, and I was little and I don't really understand all the countryisms, but today it's starting to make sense. She'd say, air your dirty laundry in your house. I have dirty laundry? What does that mean? And what she would mean was, John, not everybody needs to know what your struggle is. And then you watch our news that's international, and they just bless... I'm not saying right or wrong. Hear me. Listen to me. Don't read into it. Don't let Satan take this where it's not meant to be. It's about Jesus. And I feel like our international, our news companies in America 
put the news out to the world and they just blast us. And I know what scripture says, a house divided against itself. You tell me, cannot what? So what do people think of us outside the country? They think we're, we're crazy. And so this, this, this road gets wider and wider and wider. And I want to tell you why it's getting wider. Now, I'm not going to be able to get in this, but let me tell you why. Hopefully I get into this next week. Woo! But let me give you a little taste. Let me whet your appetite. Keep your finger there and turn to 1 John. Oh, this has been burning in my heart for weeks. Hope knows this. Nadezja, where are you, Nadezja? Right there you are. She knows. We've been talking about this for a while. 1 John chapter 4. Now, I'm telling you why. The reason why this is getting wider is so the Antichrist is the only one who can stand in the gap. You, you didn't say Jesus, John. You said Antichrist. Yep. Watch 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Oh, if I had time this morning, I'm going deep. We are going on the incarnation. Why is Christmas so powerful and life-changing? That's the time. Why is it? Because of the incarnation of Jesus. What that means is, that's a theological word that means the Jesus, who is God, the very Word of God, became flesh and dwelt among us. God became man. Jesus was not praying to himself in the garden. That's, one of, that's not what he's doing. Jesus was praying to the Father. There is a triune God that's in love with itself. That's absolutely, completely, they didn't need to create us. There wasn't a deficit in the Godhead, but they created us. So out of the creation, the creation could experience love by knowing him. First John 4, this gap is wide. Dear friends, oh, this is so good. Do not believe every what? Now, why does he say spirit? Because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, Ephesians chapter 6, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the form of God. Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. You should test what I say. Come on, somebody. You should test what I say. If it doesn't match the Word of God, you are my boss. Kick me out. Y'all know that, right? Some of you are like, I didn't know, John. You're fired. Okay, so I love you too. All right, so, but yes, you should. You should. Listen, if I'm in a secular job, that's an uncle, and I cheat on Lynette, I'm probably not going to get fired. True or not? Come on, talk back. True. Let me cheat on Lynette as a pastor. Look at, look at Tara's like this. You're going down. Okay, so thank you. She was like, come on, I will knock you out. Mama said knock you. Never mind, LL. Um, LL Cool J, do y'all even know what I'm talking about? Does anybody in the room not, you 80s freaks, um, that's what you are. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because... Many false prophets have gone out into the world. Why? Because the gap is getting bigger. Wide is the road that leads to destruction. Are y'all tracking me? It's wider and wider and wider, and the gap of restlessness and the gap of no peace is getting wider. This is so good. Oh, if I had time, sweet Jesus. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Now listen, saints, this is how you and I know that anything that anybody says, when they say something, I don't think, okay, if... If, I, if Lynette said something to me, my wife, I would test what she says against the Word of God, who is the truth of God, who is the way of God, who brings me life. Why? Because if we ever argue my struggle's not against her, it's, it is really nothing more than a spiritual attack. Because the prince of the air, that's another name for Satan, the prince of the air takes what we say, and if I'm already upset at work, then when she says something like, Man, the room was a mess when I come home from work. And let's say I've, you know, it's been, it's been, I'm, I'm aggravated. How am I going to receive that? She might be talking to Jakin. But I thought she was talking to me because I'm a wounded duck. And I'm like, it's only a mess because you didn't clean it. Oh, that's not going to go well. Are y'all, are y'all, y'all can loosen up. I know y'all have eaten well. You with me? Like, that's not going to go well. I'm not upset with her. It's the air. It's the attitude. When we sing songs, tell the truth. Sometimes y'all like, because I'm like, here's, I'm, I'm not, like me, I'm like this. 
Then those are times I'm like, yeah, you can feel it, can't you? Now, I'm not saying feelings have a brain. I'm talking about speaking to your spirit. And I pray this sermon does that. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the what, saints? Is from God. Now, notice he said Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name. It's not Mary Christ and Joseph Christ. And oh, by the way, here's little Juju Christ. It's not, it's not Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Messiah, Jesus Anointed One, Jesus the Chosen One, Jesus the One we've been looking for. Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. There are many religions today that, that would say Jesus came in the flesh, but he, that wasn't Him on the cross. That wasn't Him who really died. All those things, there's all these variants and variations. Those are not, those are just open doors for the Antichrist. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come to the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from who, saints? This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming, and even now is already in the world. Saints, brothers and sisters, anybody that does not say Jesus is the Messiah, the Word of God in 1 John 4 says that is the spirit of the Antichrist. And the Antichrist is going to come and make peace. The world is going to get so divided that there will be an Antichrist who will come and make peace. And he will only make peace for a short time. And then at the end of those three and a half years, he will absolutely destroy every Christian through beheading. So I look at all these social media and my heart's wrecked. Matthew 7, let's go back there. Matthew 7, 13 and 14. So I go back and I see how this wide path of destruction is being laid out and it's getting wider and wider and wider and wider. And I don't understand it. Verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. We know Jesus is the gate, right? John chapter 10, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. Many, but small is the gate, thereby leaning that there's one way. And narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Only a few will say Jesus is the Messiah. So what is the main idea today? What's the one thing that I would like for you and, and ask you by, by the leading of the Holy Spirit on my heart that's been burning in me, what is the one big takeaway that you will walk out of here and say, I got to go to God on this. What's the one thing that maybe God would have you to enter on your knees and through that gate to him? It is only by the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can understand or find our way in life. Go back to verse 14. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to what, saints? That leads to what? And only a what, saints? Find it. It is only the gospel, only through the gospel of Jesus Christ can we find our way and our life. Now, this is why, this is why Christmas is so powerful. Christmas is powerful because Jesus is not just a man. He is God as a man. Now this is a huge subject. I pray that this means, this is what makes him different than everybody else. Everybody else is a prophet. I don't want to go through the list of false religions, but everybody else has prophets. Everybody else has speakers, but none of those speakers say they are God. Jesus, in the Gospel of John, arguing with the Pharisees, were arguing with him. And he said, before Abraham was born, I was. In the Greek, ego, me, I, I am. He's referring to Exodus chapter 3 when God calls himself, I am. And they pick up stones and they're ready to kill him because he called himself God. They're not going to kill him because they're a prophet. They're not going to kill him because he's a miracle worker. They're going to kill him because he claimed to be God. Where does Jesus call himself God? The Gospel of John chapter 8. Only through Jesus Christ. 
Why can Jesus Christ be the only way that you and I can find our life? I don't care if you're 75, 85, 8, or 12. There is going to be a fight for your life. Why is the road that leads to destruction so wide and broad? Why is it so wide? So I asked, the Holy Spirit was putting my heart. Why? Why is it so wide? Why do you see that? Y'all see it on your social media. Y'all have lost friends over philosophical ideology, or some of us just stay quiet and try to be nice and kind and let God sort it all out, and then we're just swayed by all the stuff that comes out. Why is this road getting wider and wider and wider? And our true confidants get fewer and fewer and fewer. Why? The answer is, why is the road, look back with me in, in, in verse um, of 13. For wide is the what, saints? Gate. And what is the road that leads to destruction? So why is the road that leads to destruction so wide and so broad? The answer, there are many ways to destroy ourselves, but there's only one way to find our life. There are many ways, I'm going to show you right now, there are many ways to destroy yourself. Oh, if, Lord, give me the wisdom. We can only find our way and our life in loving Jesus. But this is, this is the only way. This is the only way to find it is through Christ. That's why he says it's a narrow gate and it's wide. Let me explain to you why it's wide. Let me explain to you this, this idea of what it means. Uh, for example, um, it's, it's pretty interesting. The word wide there, it literally means street. Are y'all with me? The word wide means street. And broad, this is so, this is so good. Let's go back to it again. For wide is the gate. The word wide literally means street. I want you to write it down in your Bible, do something with it. And broad literally means, I love this, it literally means a land or a country. That's what it means. That's what it means. It means, it means a land or a country. So he is saying, this is beautiful. This is, this is, this is Garden of Eden language. When Adam and Eve sinned and they took from the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, they were kicked out of the garden and they began to wander into a new land called exile. And in exile, there are many lands. Are y'all tracking me? There are many ways, there are many streets, there are many ways to walk away from the Lord. There are many, and it takes us to another country. We fall in love with somebody, it takes us to another state, it takes us to another job, it takes us to another career. There are many ways. We like this degree, it takes us over here. Instead of our love and our affections being to Christ, our love and affections are about us and what we like, and thereby it takes us to a land that is not ours, and we live in exile. We walk down a street that's dangerous. King David, when he was writing the Psalms, he wrote in Psalm 1, the Psalm, 150 Psalm saints, in the first Psalm, verse 1, blessed is the man who does not walk in step with the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor take or sit in the seat of company of mockers. But his delight, I'm going to go King James, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. There is a relationship. Okay, here, let me break it down to you. This is so good. Are y'all ready? Wide is the gate and broad that leads to destruction. The reason why it's so wide is there's many ways to get there. But there's over here a narrow gate called Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in the Gospel of John calls himself the gate. He's also the gatekeeper, but he calls himself the gate. John 14, 6, some of you already know this verse. Jesus Christ said, I am the, the truth and the, 
Now, here's the problem. So you've got this wide, you've got this wide field, uh, this, this broad, there's these fields. It takes you out of the promised land. What's the purpose of the promised land? Think with me, it's metaphor. The reason the promised land is so powerful is that God is there. God is in the promised land. Where God leads us to places of broken jobs and broken people and painful situations are fields that God wants us to stand and fight like Israel was supposed to do and say every inch belongs to Jesus. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, the Psalms. Listen, there's a broad way and then there's a narrow way. The word for narrow means straight. What did John the Baptist say? Make, come on somebody, make straight the way of the Lord. That literally means in snow there's footprints. Follow my steps. Or as first Peter said, walk in his steps. Where we get the band, what would Jesus do? Right? When Sheldon wrote the book, In His Steps, and then they turned that into what would Jesus do? What I'm trying to tell you, there's only what this straight, there's a straight way to walk that leads to your life. But then there's a broad, there's, there's a lot of different streets that lead you to a false promised land. Now, since I've explained to you why is the road that leads to destruction so wide, because there's many options. There are many girls, guys, jobs, careers, finances that want to take you away from God. But there's one street, or excuse me, one straight way into a real life that's purposeful and true, and that's why Christmas is so appealing, because it's almost as if this is what it should be, right? Some of you go back home, and you're with your family, and they're dysfunctional, like me. But even through the dysfunction, and you want to explode and choke somebody out and throw food at them, and you want to take that ugly fruitcake and hit them with it, there's something inside you says, it should be right. This is what it should be. When we're together, there should be joy in the giving of ourselves to each other, though we give gifts. There's a sacrificial where people have saved up and put things on layaway. Kids don't understand it when they're young, but when they get older and have to pay for their own bills, then they begin to understand what sacrifice is about. Because in your heart is longing for the day that it's supposed to be right. That's the straight way, but there's broad. Now, since I asked you why does that, why, why does it mean that? Then I want to get to another question. Then I want to get to a question. This, this is the question. Then how, how are we destroyed if there are many streets that lead us to a false promised land? Remember broad? Broad means country. It means land. A false country. It means exile. It's, he's talking about the ideology of what Israel was when they were disobedient and went into exile, went into modern day Iraq. Babylon. He's talking about that idea. He said there are many ways to, so how do we get till we walk into the broad destruction or into the narrow way? How do we do it? This is so good. God, give me the wisdom because this is so deep. You want to know, you want to know why people choose one or the other? You ready? The answer is your affection. Your love. Now let me break it down for you. In the Trinity, God is, listen, this is so good. God is in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You got to get this. They're completely in love with each other. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, that God is, any takers, love. Yeah, I don't think you're hearing me. And because He is love, in his, when he created us, in Genesis 1, chapter 27, he says this. In Genesis 1, 27, he tells us that we are created in the image of God. Male and female, he created them. The image of God meant that we have the capacity to have a relationship through the straight way, through the only way, right? Narrow is the gate. Through Jesus, the narrow way, it leads to one. Only through him can we have a relationship. We are built to love. 
and that never changes. So here's the deal. We either love the narrow gate or we love the broad way. It's, the problem isn't that we don't love. The problem is, is we can't decide which one's the right one to love. Is anybody tracking me? And from Genesis chapter 3, we see, we see what temptation does. The reason God is love, let me give you two temptations, ready? Two big temptations. Two temptations that will take us to the broad destruction. Will take us to a foreign land and you'll wake up one day and you've got gold handcuffs on and you'll say, I like this lifestyle and my life is terrible. It's like that old commercial. Remember the guy on the riding lawnmower and he's like, I'm in debt to my eyeballs. You got the gold handcuffs on and you're in a life and that's all it is and you're stuck because there's this pull. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, well, and we justify it. Well, I have to provide for my family. You know, there's a name for God that he is our provider and it's not John. Now, I know if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. I get all the theological pushback. We work our faces off for the Lord. Why? So he can get the glory. We're the best. Christians are the best workers. We're We're the hardest ones. We should be. We should be the ones that are exemplary. But we're in exile. But we're in an exile because God placed us there to redeem it because our affections are not what's in the exile. Our affections are on him. Unlike the promised land when Israel got in there and they started, inter- they started marrying a cross outside of the Israelite community and they started worshiping. And he said, if you, if you marry these people, it's going to pull you to false gods and all this. So here's the temptation number one. So we all know that we're created to love because God is love. He put the image of God in us. The image of God is to love. That's why in Galatians we are set free. Everybody says this, freedom. Yeah, every time I hear freedom, all I can think of is George Michael. Now, for those of you who are not right with Jesus, you don't have any idea who George Michael is. But I just have to have faith, faith, faith. Got to have faith. Never mind. That was a song. Some of you are going, where is he going? My point being is that we're all created to love. The problem is we're loving the wrong things. That's what leads to broad into a foreign land. And that's why some people look at their children and they go, where are they? What happened to them? When they were eight, they were fine. Now that they're 18, I don't even know who they are. They're in a foreign land with foreign affections. They've gone down the wrong street. Proverbs talks about going in the way of the prostitute. Read Proverbs chapter 5 and chapter 7 and talk about, and there's a guy walking down the street at night, and there she is looking, lurking on the corner, and she goes up to him and she grabs him and she says, my husband's gone. He took a full bag of, moan, of money. He won't be back to the new moon. Come, let us, let us uh, make love until the morning and all these, and, and, and satisfy our desires. And there in, the, in, in Proverbs, there it is, the, the you see Solomon talking about that there he goes, there he goes into death. There he goes the way of death. There he goes and nobody comes back. It's affection. And so here temptation number one is to love God through behavior. So here's what happens. God is not a single God. It's not just Jesus. If, there, if it was just God, then when, when, when God created us, then he would be dependent upon our behavior. But because there's a triune God and there's complete love, his love spills over into his creation and builds in us the capacity to, to love him. He does not need us, Acts chapter 17. He does not need our hands. He does not need our feet. He does not need our mouths, though he chooses to let us be apart. But what happens is, and you can read in Acts 17, he goes, what happens in this love, there, there's this love. Our God is a God of love, and this love is sacrificial and merciful and good and kind and all the fruit of the Spirit is there. But that is why when we're in heaven, that's why it says faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, right? These three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. The reason why faith and hope will no longer be because when we're in heaven, there will only be love because God is love. So our temptation is to love God through behavior, and this is where we compare ourselves. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not as bad as that person. I wasn't a murderer. I wasn't a rapist. I wasn't a thief. I didn't do this. Now, I'm not as good as Mother Teresa, but I'm way above 50 percentile, so I'm good. Or maybe I'm above 70 percent, whatever the passing rate is. The problem is the passing rate is 100 percent. For the wages of sin, not plural, sin is death. 
So I, I, I want to read this. Uh, Michael Reeves says, for in the Bible, sin is something that goes deeper than our behavior. Uh, look, at the, uh, look at the Gospel of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you have that Bible there on your phone, Luke chapter 8, iPad, Luke 8. I want to show you that it's not about behavior. Because if it is about behavior, then even demons are right. And I would bet you today, I'll bet you money, and I don't have much, but I'll go ahead and do it. I would bet you my wife's van. I'm just kidding. <laughs> or you can have my truck. It's sitting at the house. Um, I, would bet, I would bet you that if you and I walked around to other places and we saw people act like this, this crazed demoniac, we would say that they're right with God. One of my favorite passages in Scripture. Uh, biblical love is not behavior-centered. It's not about my behavior. Luke chapter 8, verse 26 through 29. Let's turn there. Luke chapter 8, verse 26 through 29. And I'm going to read this on my sheep. I also have it here in my scripture. They sailed for the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. So they're in Decapolis. This is Mark chapter 5 as well. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. Now, this man had legion of demons, probably 2,000 to 4,000 uh, uh, demons. And we know that the demons, when he cast them out, went into the pigs. There were about 2,000 pigs. They went off the cliff into the abyss. You know the story. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. Remember, demonic possession always wants to take you to death. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, don't, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot, now other scriptures tell us that, uh, other gospel narratives tell us that they chained him, they put him in the tombs and would chain him, and he was so strong he would break the chains. I mean, he was, what the world would say today is, well, he has multiple personalities, he's schizophrenic, he's got all kinds of neuroses, right? They would say that. Now, I'm not saying mental illness is possession. Don't hear me. Don't read into that. That's the prince of the air. Twisted. What I am saying is they would classify it as something like that. That's what those people were doing. They said, we don't have asylums, or we don't have help facilities, whatever they had at that time. They would just kind of outcast them. So they put him in tombs. Why? Because people wouldn't go to tombs. For Jesus had come in the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Satan always wants to get the sheep alone so he can destroy him. You get the so here's what I want to say. I want to read I want to read Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards is a, he's going to be with Jesus. He was a, a man that God used in the first great awakening, just phenomenal man. Um, he uh, he wrote this. The devil once seemed to be religious from fear of torment. Do you hear me? When we're fear fearful of torment, then we always go to behavior. Always, when you're afraid of hell, if, if the reason my salvation is I'm afraid of hell, then I always default with behavior. I'm always scared because of my actions. My salvation is not built on fear of hell. My salvation is built on the love of Jesus Christ, and I want him. Are y'all tracking me? That is salvation. I want God and He wants me. This is religious. Look what, the, look, what the, look what the demons in the man, look what the man does. He prays. Look at verse 28. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet. He's on his knees. When's the last time we got on our knees? He's religious. He prays. He prays in a humble posture. He's at his, on his feet. He falls down before Christ. He lies prostrate. He, he, play, he prays earnestly. He cries with a loud voice. Uses humble expressions. He uses respectful, honorable, adoring expressions. Nothing was missing but love. 
Y'all didn't hear me. Jesus, what do you want to do with me? Son of the most high God, please don't torture me. That's save me language. Save me. But why doesn't Jesus save the demons? Because the demons are without love. He saves the man. When we come to Jesus because we're broken over our sin and needing him, and he's the only one who can make it right, that's Christmas. That's Christmas. Behavior is built on actions, but love covers a multitude of sins. It's built on love. So temptation, the temptation that'll take us down a broad street is we'll always be frustrated with God because we can't get our lives right. Let me tell you something, be free, my sisters and brothers. I am the worst pastor you have ever seen. But there's a God who covers my worst. My relationship with God is not built on my perfection, but His. My relationship with God is not built on my lack of sinlessness, but His sinlessness. My relationship with God is not built on the level of my faith, but on His faithfulness. And so is yours. That's a, if you go back and look at this passage, this man is, you would see it and you would go, wow. If somebody came down here and did this, you would go, wow. But what's missing is love. That's why they can't produce fruit. That's the problem. If sin is simply, I believe Michael Reeves wrote this, if sin is simply about acting, behaving right, then the devil here is not sinning. It's about love, our affection. Temptation number two, and I'm going to try and land this. Temptation number two, what leads us to broad and destruction? What leads us to a, a different street other than Jesus being the way? What leads us to another way? Why does Christmas so right in our hearts that all of us in this room long for it, whether we agree with it or not? If we come from a dysfunctional family, we want a functional family. We long for it because we are built to be affectionate. That's why God said it is not good for man to be what? Now, for all y'all single people, let me just say something, especially in people in high school. I'm not trying to call nobody out. Y'all better listen to certain people that I know well. Are y'all reading between my lines? Song of Solomon says, don't awaken love till it's ready. You know what I'm saying? You wake that thing up, you can't turn it off. That was funny. I thought it was funny. But temptation is to go with our desires. That's why David said, create in me a pure heart of God. It's because David was saying, my desires better be your desires, God. In other words, it's a holy discontent. God, whatever it is that wrecks your heart, please wreck my heart over it. Temptation is to go with desires. But I want you to see where, what happens when people go with their own desires. What happens? What happens? Listen, we were created to, to love. We, God is love. But we also know, look at, uh, look at 2 Timothy. Will that be up there? Is that, can that be up there? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. I want you to see this. I want to read this. Watch this. I'll show you that we're created to love. And I'll show you why the problem, the road's getting wider and wider. Look. But mark this, or, or your version might say, you know, ready? Here we go. Uh, it says, there will be terrible times in the last days. That's why 1 John 4 is making, that's why the broad road is making the road for the Antichrist. He will bring all our desires unto him. And you'll say, but John, that sounds like Jesus. No, 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 no. The Antichrist will let you do what you want to do, except follow Jesus. It's coming. I am telling you, the days are coming. Not to scare. When you live in fear, you walk by behavior. But when you live in love, you walk by mercy and grace. You know why people don't give people grace? Because they don't live in love. That is why parents go crazy on kids at Walmart. And you look at them and go, mm, trash. Y'all know you do. Right? That's why we, we, when, when it's all about behavior, when there's no love, there's no grace that covers a multitude of sins. 
There's no love that covers a multitude of sins. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Let's go to the second verse. This is so powerful. I just hope we can sit in this a little bit. People will be, what is that? People will be what? See, 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 what I'm trying to tell you is, it's all about love. The image of God is our capacity to love. That's why we're better than a dog. Some of you just got offended because you love your dog. I understand that. Great. Hallelujah. You, your, your dog is, you know, man's best friend. I get it. I got it. Okay, good. Hallelujah. But the dog, here's the difference. The dog is not made in the image of God. Yes, your dog loves you. But if I feed your dog, your dog would love me too. I can become his master. We have the capacity to love God and appreciate him for who he is in a limited way. He goes, lovers of my, look at this, lovers of the, see, notice, we're built to love. The, the, the broad destruction is love, right? It's, it takes us down to a new field, to a new path, to a new country. Outside of the Garden of Eden language, outside of the Promised Land language, where we don't have to, where our work doesn't become toil, our work is redeemed and produces fruit instead of thorns and thistles. Lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. Verse 3, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, fruit of the Spirit, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, rash, conceited, and look what it says. Here's this word again, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of who? So that... The reason why the Antichrist can fill the gap of such a broad destruction is because he will let you do what you want to do, except love God. Because he wants to be God. Oh, if I just had time to break it down for you. What went wrong with Adam and Eve? Adam and Eve, look at, uh, look at Genesis 3.6. This is so powerful. Genesis 3.6. When the woman saw that the, that the fruit of the tree, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, don't miss that. That's a huge, huge phrase. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. In other words, what went wrong it was not that Adam and Eve stopped loving God. I'm going to use Michael Reeves, I'll paraphrase. It wasn't, listen, it wasn't that they stopped loving God, it's that they just loved themselves more than God. They didn't stop loving. When a child goes away from his parents, it's not that he stopped loving, he just doesn't love you. When I walk away, listen, I, Lynette and I were talking about this morning, if I miss two Sundays in a row, row coming to worship you, I want y'all to know something, it is so easy for me never to come back. You want to know why? Because I'm built to love. I am built to love. And let me tell you something what Satan is going to do. He's going to bring temptation for me to love. He's going to. Temptation number one to pull me down the, to the wrong field, to the wrong country, to the different broad streets of destruction is behavior. But another one is my desires. They were, he said, created as lovers of the image of God, and they could not undo that. The original sin of Adam and Eve, Eve takes and eats the forbidden fruit because of love for herself, for gaining wisdom. Look what it says back in verse 3, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She loved, her more, she loved herself more than she loved the God of wisdom. Eve takes and eats the fruit, he said, because of love for herself and gaining wisdom for herself, has overcome any love she might have for God. Look there in verse 3. I mean, in chapter 3, verse 6. It says, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. The word desirable in Hebrew literally means to covet. What are the Ten Commandments? Don't covet, right? Why? Because the desires, the desires will take us down the broad road. Jesus is teaching. There's a narrow way. In other words, take your desires and bring them all to me and I will give you the desires of your heart. Did anybody catch that? When you walk with the Lord, this sounds, I don't mean this harsh. Sometimes the reason why some people are delayed in getting what they need from God is because they're not all in for God. You want me to put it a little, I'll make it a little clear. 
Sometimes people don't have the job or the things that they think that God's leading them in the heart is because they're not all in. But when you get all in, what happens is then God begins to open the doors for us to be faithful. And when you're faithful over little, you'll be faithful over. Can, can you play over me, Robert? Just, let's land this plane. Let's land it. All right. So thank you for your grace to let me go over just a little bit. Thank you. This is just so why is Christmas so powerful? Because only through Jesus Christ can we understand our way in our life. If, if somebody in this room doesn't feel like you have much of a life as a believer, like you just feel like you're spinning your wheels and going nowhere, let me just tell you something. There is, there is, there is a false God called Satan absolutely trying to trick you to give right behavior and say, God, I'm living right. Why aren't you blessing me? Wrong way to think. And he's going to tempt you on your desires. But see, it, our sin is not coming from the temptation. Our sin is coming from the desires in our heart. James chapter 1. I want to show you something. Eve's act, he said, of sinning was a mere manifestation of the turn in her heart. When I sin, it's because it's a turn of the affections of my heart. I desire the fruit as... I'm going to put words in Reeves' mouth. I desire fruit more than I desire God. And when I live by desires, then instead of running to God, what did Adam and Eve do when they heard God in the cool of the day? What did they do? They hid. And we try to cover ourselves. We try to make our behavior our way to God. There is a wide path, and please, don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm not saying that that path is going to stop getting wider. But the reason why the Antichrist will be able to bridge the gap is because he will let everybody act out their desires except for God, and they will love him for it. <clears throat> he will give them ways to be able to do what they want. But Jesus said, if you come to me, if you just come to me, I'll give you the desires of your heart because he'll take out a heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. I want to show you something in coveting. I want to show you what Satan did. Turn with me in scripture to Ezekiel. This is how we're going to land it. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel is a prophet in exile, correct? Ezekiel chapter 28. He was a prophet that God sent when, when he destroyed he let the Babylonians destroy Judah, their capital city, Jerusalem. The people were taken to exile. The poor were left in the land, and they were going to end up starving, and it was going to be bad. The people were in exile, but God says, listen, my covenant love for you is so strong that I'm not going to leave you without my word. So he sends a prophet called Ezekiel to be the word, and Ezekiel, uh, to, to give him the word. And, and Ezekiel is going to tell them why Satan fell. I want you to look with me in Ezekiel chapter 28. And I apologize. Thank you for adding this. Ezekiel chapter 28. I want to look in verse 13 through 17. Here it is. Verse 13. You were in Eden the garden of God. He's talking about Satan. And every precious stone adorned you. Carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as guardian cherub, for so I ordained you. You were on the mountain of God. You walked among the fiery stones. This is what Satan looked like. And he was supposed to be this reflection through these beautiful, beautiful stones, this reflection of God's glory. And here's what happened to him, verse 17. Actually, let's go to verse 16. Verse 16. 
Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. So I drove you in disgrace from the Mount of God and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Verse 17, your heart became proud on account of your beauty. The high priest would wear an ephod, E-P-H-O-D. What were the stones on that ephod? The very stones you just read. Let me break it down for you. The high priest would wear it, and he would wear it, and each stone represented one of the tribes of Israel. And, and Satan was the cherub, the guardian cherub. And if you remember the Ark of the Covenant, on top of the Ark was called the mercy seat. And there were two cherubs facing one another where the presence of God would come. And because Satan's heart became proud, he was cast out of the place of mercy. Because there's only one who could stand in that gap. See, when I, my heart is proud, I don't give anybody mercy not on social media, not on any places that people rant. I'm not saying don't tell the truth. Proud. Satan was destroyed and the high priests would wear these stones in front of God to be a reflection his glory. Moses, when he encountered God, would reflect glory. And Jesus, the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, would wear these. You see, you see this in heaven. You see the streets of gold. You see the crystal sea. You see this stuff. And here he was this guardian cherub. And because he was proud, he did not receive mercy. Because scripture tells us pride cometh for the fall. So I want to leave you with this today. The only way that we can find our life, the only way we can find our way is in the mercy of God, is the gospel of Jesus. The only way we can find true love is in the God who can love us. The only way we can be a part of this is the gospel of Jesus. This Christmas, I feel like as a church family, this is what we should do. We should humble ourselves. And let me brag without being on you about being, without being proud. This past week, Scott, is that you in the back? I can't see, buddy. Scott and another person and some other people, and Scott's wife, they fed, I know, 20 people of the money you gave of meals. And, and they were blessed mightily, weren't they, Scott? I'm not talking about just a 12 to 15 pound turkey. And I'm, not, I'm talking about y'all, God laid on y'all's heart to give. And we were, we blessed. Listen, I don't want to tell the people. We, it was a God thing how God brought it about. When we contacted this one school, they said, we're exactly in need of 10 families. We had 10 families. And sure enough, that's what we had. Then we had another contact that needed 10 more, and it, it just worked out. Dennis, Scott, and you, were, you made those deliveries, you and your wife and this other person. And I just want to say, you guys are doing, what God is doing through you and staying humble, God is moving, specifically helping people. But the temptation to go down the broad road of destruction is pride. May this Christmas... May we humble ourselves in front of him. And I want to ask you, let's get personal and we're going to land it. Is there something that we need to humble ourselves in front of the Lord today? I'll I'll be specific. Is it, okay, God, what about this job? What about this next step? What about this relationship? What about this? Where can we just today say, God, I want to humble myself in front of you? Because there is a narrow path that leads to life. And that's why in John 10 verse 9 Jesus said I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Then he says they will come in and go out and find pasture because his gate leads to a beautiful field. If there's anything going on maybe it's a a family situation maybe it's I don't know Jesus, I need to be saved. Maybe it's just you're interceding for somebody else. God, I just want to humble myself in front of you. 
Let's be a church of great humility. Why? Moses is the most humble man on the earth, as we saw when he was ministering to the Lord. Because whenever you encounter God, we get small, God gets big. John the Baptist says, I decrease, he increases. Do we need to humble ourselves? Emotions, decisions, what do we need? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for my sisters and brothers. I thank you that Jesus Christ, the incarnation, God who became flesh, is what makes Christmas so powerful. Because it is only through Jesus that we can have life. I mean, a great marriage, that's life. A a great career, that's life. Uh, uh, Decisions and way, that's life. Um, uh, Relationships with with sweet mates and family and friends, that's life. Sometimes we need to close some gates and walk through another gate. What way, Lord, do we need to humble ourselves in front of you today? Maybe we need to come forward right as I'm praying and just some of us in this room and just say, God, I want to humble myself in front of you. This season, I want to humble myself. I want to humble you in this way. So, Lord, I just want to, I just want to get on my knees this morning, and I just want to say, God, um, I just want to humble myself. My, my knees are an act of posture, uh, and I don't want to be like the, the, the crazed demoniac. I don't want to be like the demons in him that bow before you because they're afraid of judgment. I want to bow before you because you're a God of love, and that you, we have an open heaven, and you talk to us. You've given us your Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. So I want to pray today, Lord, for everyone in this room that we would be more of, there would be more of Jesus. God became flesh so that our flesh could go be with God. We want to humble, I want to humble my family in front of you, Lord. I want to humble my my relationship with Lynette. I want to, I want to just humble myself in front of my children. I'm a terrible parent. I'm so driven that sometimes my drive in me overtakes my love for you, which doesn't allow me to love others well. Lord, I want to humble this church in front of you. I I just want to humble myself in front of you. I I pray for this church. God, I pray that you would grow us in the Lord, that you would raise up workers. You said, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. You said the field is white with harvest, but the workers are few. God, raise up people to, today that, that might want to go and, 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 and humble themselves and, and help these poor uh, kids that were children that were trying to help at these schools that don't have anything for Christmas, and they might want to give and be a part of that as they walk out today. Lord, oh, I just want to humble myself in front of you. I feel like I'm a terrible pastor because I've tried to take you into my flesh instead of my flesh bowing to you. So Lord, would you grow us today? And if there's anybody in this room, Lord, who doesn't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, that there's a God who became a man and he was perfect and he was born of a virgin The reason why he was born of a virgin is because the first Adam brought sin. But Christ brought salvation. And he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. Lord, we humble ourselves. Christmas is an act of humility. That's all it is. And so I pray that there would be someone in this room that would humble themselves and realize they've sinned and only Jesus can save them. That it's the blood of Jesus who satisfied the wrath of God and who washed and cleansed us from our sins, past, present, and future, so we can have a relationship with you now. God, hear our cry. We call upon you. Lord and Savior to save us. I pray that they would confess with their mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart God raised him from the dead. God, may we as a church 
of born-again believers humbled ourselves in front of you. That we would be givers, that we would be lovers of Christ, that we would give people mercy and grace, that we would stand against evil and love what is good. That we would stand against unrighteousness, but we would minister to people through holiness. Hear our cry, Lord. Thank you that Jesus humbled himself. We follow in his steps. We love you and praise you.